Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. And I gave it the extra roll there, Bruce, because I'm a little excited. There's some good news. The NHL is talking about, well, the NHL, Brian Burke, an NHL insider, is talking about compliance buyouts in the next season for the NHL. So, um, you know, we're assuming there's going to be a season next year. I think there will be. Um, Bruce, what did uh, he was, Brian uh, Burke was talking on Oilers. Now, of course, Brian Burke is uniquely situated in the NHL because he's both a former GM and a former league executive, uh, plus a former team president with the Calgary Flames. So he's done. Plus a former player, former player agent. Former player. Which is significant. He's been on both sides (laughs) of the, of the negotiating table. Now, he was very negative on whether there's going to be a new season or not. And I think uh, he's got a lot of concerns about the current situation in the United States, which I agree with, Burke. It's in the short term, Bruce, I think the United States is really, really going to suffer with this uh, coronavirus outbreak. Um, so I think his position was like virtually impossible to have the playoffs this year. I just think he's reflecting the gloom and doom right now in the United States. I'm a lot more optimistic. We're not going to get into that, though. We're just going to talk today about compliance buyout and what that would mean for the NHL. Of course, there was a compliance buyout after the last lockout because the salary cap shot down, the amount of money, league-wide revenue shot down, and they needed to fit everybody's salary in under the cap. So they allowed teams to buy out as two players. But first, Bruce, let's just go right now to... um, to what Brian Burke said on Oilers Now, and you did a post on this. So what did Burke say? Yeah, well, his, his he was working off the assumption that this year's uh, season, including playoffs, are over, but that they would be picking up the pieces in time for the next season. But, of course, there would be a huge jolt on revenues with the last 15% of the regular season plus the playoffs not being played. So the thought was that the salary cap... Um, would instead of going up as expected, uh, would likely uh, take a hit. So uh, he said, first off, we have to determine what the losses are. Does insurance cover the losses? In some places, I'm told it will, and some it won't. So what is the total loss? Uh, we've got 85% of the regular season, so we've got to figure out what that wage gap is, and there's ways to figure out moving forward how to deal with it. I've heard discussion of compliance buyouts to help teams get to this new cap to solve some of their problems, which they gave in the last CBA. Each team got two cap compliance buyouts, which were exempt from the cap. I've heard talk of that. So, and then he went on to suggest that uh, before they get to that point, they better clean up their labor issues and extend the CBA forward so that there's no threat of a future labor stoppage uh, two years from now, because that would be tantamount to... uh, uh, mutually assured destruction, to use a term from the Cold War. So we heard also Elliot Friedman talk to Stoffer mm-hmm. today about this, and Friedman was also musing about this. Elliot Friedman's position on the on the uh, new season is it's too early to tell, or excuse me, on the playoffs even. It's too early right. to tell. Yes. And he'll, he'll know more, will know more, know more by the end of April. He's exactly right. It's too early mm-hmm. to know. 100%. Um, but if there's no playoffs, that's uh, out of the $5 billion revenue, I think they were saying it's a billion dollars gone from this year's revenue. And of course, um, now if they, I just think 
all bets are off in terms of what yeah. the NHL can charge for tickets going forward, what the revenues are going to be going forward. We, no one knows any of There's this kind of so stuff. So many questions. There. So, man, it, and they did suggest it was going to be really rotten for free agents. And I, yeah, <laughs> yeah good luck. Uh, you know, if the Oilers, it's, it, that's interesting. It made me think if the Oilers had waited on signing some of the players like Cassian and 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 whomever. But anyway, they would have got him for a lot less. But that's actually neither here nor there. Let's focus, Bruce, on next year compliance buyouts. So. This would be the Oilers trying to fit in under the cap and other teams trying to fit in under the cap. So who, which it's essentially the question is, the main question is, um, who should the Oilers buy out under this circumstance? Does it make sense to buy out anyone? Which contract really hurts the team going forward, essentially? Which player is um, getting, essentially, his performance is here and his salary is here. Like mm-hmm. who's got the biggest gap between performance and salary? Where is that the most? So if it's right. like here for, let's say it's right here for Oscar, you know, Oscar Clefbaum, mm-hmm. <laughs> and here it's closer to here for Drysaddle and McDavid. You know, they're getting really well paid, but they're really good players. Who is it like, you know, oh. over here? So uh, what's your take initially? I, who, I, do you think I they should buy out, out anyone? I rolled out four names for consideration at the bottom of my post, and number one on that list with a silver bullet. Uh, has to be James Neal, and who has three years left at $5.75 million. Of course, that was the uh, the uh, the better contract that got traded in the mm-hmm. Milan Lucic for Neal trade, but it's still, uh, it's still a, a real uh, boat anchor of a contract. Uh, Neal, at age 32, uh, is, to my eye, a declining force. I mean, he had a terrible year in Calgary last year, no question. And he came out of uh, he came out of the gate like he was shot out of a cannon. In October, he was great. In November, he was very good. Uh, and he had, uh, on New Year's Eve, when he scored a hat-trick at Rogers Place, that gave him 19 goals on the season. And he looked to be well on his way to a 30-plus goal campaign at that point. Well, <clears throat> Here we are, March. The well, it doesn't matter anymore. It's the season stopped a week ago, but here we are in March. He's still on 19 goals for the year. Uh, he was injured and he missed a bunch of games, but he also played a bunch of games, uh, including a stack of time on Connor McDavid's wing, what should have been a plum assignment. And he hasn't scored a single goal in in 2020. Well, you might look at that and say, well, what else does he bring? And and Stauffer, uh uh, and Spectre today talked about the leadership that he's brought to the room as, as having some value, and I'm sure that's probably true. Uh, but he's got three years to run. Is he going to be a better player at 34 than he is at 32? I doubt it. Does he? What does he bring now? Does he bring, uh, you know, strong two-way play? Not really. Is he a physical player? Well, he can be. You know, he can be decent along the boards, but he's not a, you know, he's not a, uh, 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 a. Uh, I wouldn't call him a real sort of um, uh, physical presence out there in the general sense. You know, he brings experience. He brings a great shot. Uh, he brings uh, uh, some some positives to the table. But man, five point seven five million for three years. I mean, basically they're looking at the same thing they were looking at with Andre Sekera last summer when they decided. Wow. Different, do, though. Do, well, in some ways, it's the same. Because it's, it's a compliance buyout and yes. not a regular buyout. Yeah, it's well, 
Because under a regular buyout, Bruce, would you? I wouldn't be buying out James Neal under a regular buyout. Under a regular buyout, mm-hmm. uh, where you have six years at whatever it was, two million dollars right. a year against your cap with James Neal, there's no way I'm buying him out this summer. Mm-hmm. And I don't like he was a solid enough even strength player, excellent power player. You would go one more year and see if you can get oh, another decent year oh, out of him. But I don't. I don't even think it's. I. I think they would like honestly because that's too stiff a penalty. But so that's, this is a different than Sakura. So I interrupt well, you to make that point because it's not, that was. The math, know. the math is the same in the sense that in the case of Sakura, you bit the bullet, um, bottom out to make $3 million in cap room. But with that, you also made a space on the roster for a younger, cheaper player to come in and take over the job and do it as well or better, which you can make the case certainly that Ethan Bear is, uh uh, changed the equation this year more than Andre Sekera would have at a far cheaper price. That even w- with the uh, Sekera buyout penalty, uh, that freed up uh, something like $2.2 million uh, for the Oilers to invest in other players. So the question is, like, uh, even subtracting out the cap penalty for a buyout of Neil, could you replace them with a better player who costs less in which case you have to you have to think about like I, I was thinking I've been thinking for a while this guy is not exempt from being at least considered for a buyout this summer that said I dearly dearly wanted and want to see him in the playoffs for for many reasons but part of which is just simply casting judgment on the player himself if he if he uh, delivers a strong playoff performance, then he's locked in. You know, then, then there's no the decision is made. But what we've seen out of him this last while has kind of left me cold, to be frank. Well, he's been injured, Bruce. Like, and I really yeah. think that oh, impacted no. his performance. So I, I'm going to go. Uh, I think overall this year, he was he was an okay even strength player. That's what we saw in our scoring chances project. He was he 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 held his own as an even strength hockey player, and he was exceptional on the power play. The, the, here's the good news, Bruce. You could mm-hmm. buy him out on the compliance buyout. Yes, that changes. And then you can the bring him back at a league minimum contract, whatever the new league minimum is. And you still have James Neal on your roster for one more year if you want that player. If he is such a great leader, um, that's how you would do it, I think. So you can you can have your – with a compliance buyout. Now, if they would allow that, I don't know. I guess they probably would Last wouldn't. time I, they didn't. They, they made yeah. – anybody who got bought out couldn't return to that team for one yeah. year. So, so there's that. So the Oilers, even if they wanted to bring back Eric Belanger, they couldn't have. Yeah, <laughs> I was hoping he'd come back. Um, anyway, with I, with a compliance buyout, like I, yeah. I, I think both are really easy decisions. Without mm-hmm. a, just a normal buyout, no, you don't buy out James Neal. In my opinion, you do not. But a compliance buyout, it's three more years of this player um, who had a kind of a remarkable comeback year. Which you know, when we look, when I looked at it closely, this kind of player at that age, how likely is that? There was a real possibility. I think it was maybe a little less than it, but a coin flip. But it was there was a coin flip that James Neal was going to come back and have one more good year mm-hmm. um, at this age. Right. When we get to the next year, though, it's like two coin flips in a row. Yep. And you got to get heads each time. So that so I. It's the odds are starting to go down that he's going to have good years. You have a chance right now to get under from that contract if this happens. It's this is a very easy, simple decision uh, to to get rid of uh, this contract. The only issue is for all of these owners is going to be 
what is their financial situation right. like? Because 100%. because they're gonna have this is we're talking you and I were talking about spending Daryl Cates's money. Yep. Where's Daryl Cates right now? How hard? So every owner is going to be depending on what industry they're in outside of hockey. Um, some of them are are maybe if they're in the grocery industry, let's say they're going to be doing okay right now. Everyone still needs groceries, but what if they're in the oil business or um, you know I don't know what businesses Kate's in. I think did, did he you was not in, he was in the drugstore business yeah. and, he's, and now he's in the entertainment business. And I think both of those both of those. Um, changes in status are working against them at this moment in time i think yeah. being in the drugstore business would probably be pretty solid right about now and entertainment is entertainment is struggling oh man he so, so. we don't even know if daryl cates mm-hmm. where is he going to be in terms of mm-hmm. um being able to come up with the cash to buy out players like right but so we're just and this is the go, this goes for any of these owners and we do, we don't have the answer to that so we're just going to assume um that it's bottomless that, pockets yeah we'll assume <laughs> bottomless pockets for all these owners which is not the case which isn't the case oh. for all of them so oh. bruce i've gone through uh, we've talked about the oilers I, you know i don't see them buying out you never know like chris russell possible. would be the only other one just to get that four million dollars off the books but I, plan a would be to trade him I, I think the way his contract is set up they could make a they could make a move after july 1st to trade him but Otherwise, you know, that that one year buyout of that four mil to make room for another young defenseman as they did with Sekra, there's some logic there's some logic to that. It's very short term. There's only one year left. But uh, if you got the buyout available, you have to consider it. Yeah. I think that that's uh, that that makes sense as well. If you get two such buyouts, um, then you might consider uh Chris Russell. Koskinen has a big contract, but he's earned it he's earned uh it this year and yeah. they, they're going to need a, a starting goalie there's no one in the offing so Bruce I went through some of the other teams to see mm-hmm. and I to see where where they they might be and it was very interesting and kind of disconcerting to see when we look at the forwards and we'll go through each position in the NHL forwards uh defensemen and goalies and, and this is only rudimentary research I'm still working on the post for this so things may change so I'm I'm really going so far on their age, their term, the the amount of money they're getting, and just just at this point, kind of our general impression of the players, plus their points per game um, last season. But the two players who scream absolutely scream for buyouts were both Ken Holland signings, yikes, with the Detroit Red Wings, Justin Advocator and Franz Nielsen. Advocator's 33, uh, Nielsen's 30. Five Nielsen has two years left on a five million five point two million per deal. Abdukato has three years left on a four point two million per year deal, and they are just at the absolute rock bottom when it comes to point scoring for NHL forwards. Um, out of Abdukator ranks four hundred and seventy nine out of four hundred and eighty four zero point three seven points per game. And um, Nielsen, 474 out of 484 at 0.46 points per game. So they're, they are absolute uh, locks. It looks like, you know, Milan Lucic, the Flames are going to get out of that deal. Uh, he's 479 out of 484. Other names that are, that are I really... I've got a question for you first on the Lucic deal. If Calgary buys that contract out, 
Uh, the Oilers are on the hook for $750,000 of that contract. Do they then get exonerated from uh, from the cap clawback against a contract that no longer exists? Do they get their one-eighth share of that uh, of that buyout? I mean, maybe they'd have to pay, uh, you know, the, the, their two-thirds or whatever but uh, of their portion, but uh, maybe that would uh, improve the Oilers' situation by $750K, in which case we'll take it. That would be fantastic. I don't have the answer to that question. I don't oh, know I don't how it worked either. last time. Um, there must have been some of those situations last time, but that that could really work. That could work in the Oilers' benefit as well. Um, I don't think there's any others. Sekera, uh, no, that's different because he got bought out already. Yeah, in they, they signed him to a completely independent <clears throat> Yeah, that's, that's different. The Oilers are retained on Lucic. Yeah, that's one of the things that'll have to be worked out. So, Bruce, I'll just quickly run yep. through some of the other Fair names enough. here uh, that likely to be bought out or possibly bought out. Uh, Nino Niederreiter, Andrew Ladd in New York, Phil Kessel in Arizona, who looks past his best before date, Alexander Wenberg, a young player in, in Columbus who's never who just has flopped since um, signing just- a, a big deal. Jeff, here's okay. Here's a really interesting one. Jeff Skinner. <laughs> He man, just signed. Oh he's going to be starting. A, he's going to be on, I think, the second year of a. Did he sign for eight years at nine million? I believe so. Yeah, he's going to be million, seven it? years left. So he ranked. He scored one point four five even strength at per sixty, ranking two hundred ninety four out of two hundred out of four hundred eighty four. But man, he you're getting paid to be a top. 50 score top 30 score in the nhl at nine million a year right you should be in the top 30 for scoring even strength scoring even and he's 294th so the, i don't know how rich i i understand i don't know what that biz, the business of the buffalo sabers owner is i understand he's extremely wealthy and willing to spend money but that's really? one where you think <laughs> i'm not this is our chance this is we're mm-hmm. just early into this and let me just see if there's any other ones of in for the forwards uh, no, he's the the most obvious one for who just signed a big new deal because there's some defensemen in the same category and a goalie or two. But what do you think, Skinner? You'd have to if you had a chance to buy him out. It's a lot of money, but man, that that's going to be a brutal contract. It looks like. Yeah, I mean, that, then it comes down to the you know the like you say the cash situation of the owners. Uh, the other fine print detail that I don't know about the CBA is when you buy out a player, like when you have a guy under contract, the escrow kicks in and it actually cuts into what they pay the guy in real money, right? Uh, I, ca- I call them Bettman bucks, what they pay him, right? Like his contract is $9 million, but maybe he gets 7.36 or something because of the, the clawback of the escrow, which will be significant next year. But when a guy gets bought out, my thought is that they pay him real money, like two-thirds of the actual value of the contract. So that would narrow the gap of what the owner saves. And an owner that's in it to, for the bottom line might be reluctant to buy a guy out to say, well, we got we signed this guy to be a star player and this is what we're spending our money on and this is if it has to go against the cap, so be it. So there, there'll be some uh, there'll be some conflicted um, uh, thinking yeah. going on in terms of... It- yeah, it really matters, Bruce, how flush these owners are right now. Like, it's it's huge. I, like, let's just hope that Daryl Cates, uh, fr- from his time in the pharmaceutical industry, 
saw mm-hmm. this saw this thing coming and thought, oh oh, and and cashed out of the stock cashed out of the stock market a month ago, and is just buying mm-hmm. back in now. Uh, like it really really matters. And this yeah. issue that you raise is just compounding that. You know how how much money is what's the owner's financial situation? How much money is he willing to burn on his hockey team essentially? Right. Right, because you buy a guy out and and you use the cap space to buy another star player. Well, you, guess what? You're paying both of them in real real cash terms. Yeah. So it's uh, it's so Cates has always been a big spender until now, Bruce. Like he's yep. really has spent yep. um, buying out, um, paying for excessive. Some people would say excessive numbers of management positions. Um, paying the. The heavy portion of front-loaded contracts, or paying the yes. heavy portion of back-loaded contracts, which he's done both. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah, he's. I think you figured out at one time we talked, we worked at this a little bit together on a post you wrote. Yeah. Here, something like twenty million bucks that he paid over and above, uh, just by extra bits and pieces here and there, and it was yeah, it was some huge number. Anyway, it was a eight, huge eight, amount of money every year. I think it was more than that. I think that might have been one part of it. Yeah. It was twenty million. That might have been the contract part of it. Where yeah. I think when all told, like in, in terms of like spending on management, extra scouts, all oh, of this well, stuff. Yeah, like yeah, just, not that. That's just it was just. Um, now he's got a good downtown arena and a good town or downtown arena deal. Um, so you know that's uh, in terms of the solidity of hockey. But of course, then there's the Edmonton economy. Ah, anyway, this yeah. is all uncharted territory. Well, well, let's just stick with the little world. Five dollars in a barrel oil. Yeah, hopefully that'll change um, yeah. soon. The other thing that's yeah. going to happen, Bruce, based on this, is like let's say all these players and some of them good. Like you could, I could see Jordan Stahl getting bought mm-hmm. out, possibly. Like he's not a point producer at all anymore. He's got three years left on a deal that pays him six million per. So there's going to be players like like possibly Jeff Carter, Jordan Stahl, Kyle Turris. Um, Kyle Ocposo, Jonathan Drouin, Tyler Johnson, even Zach Parise, even Zach Parise, um, five years left on a deal that pays him 7.5 million per. So, and he's already 35 years old. He's already 30, but there could be players that will come suddenly kind of useful players at a much less dollar amount. Right. The teams that are, um, the teams are in a, who knows what position they're going to be against the cap and in terms of finances, but there's going to be some players that you can fill in with as well. Um, kind of like the James Neal thing. If he can't sign with the orders, well, you could easily replace him maybe with Jeff Carter or uh, who's suddenly free because uh, the Kings bought him out or uh, Jordan Stahl. If he got, he's the captain of the Carolina team. So that's less likely that he'll be bought out. Let's move on to the defenseman, Bruce. And some of the, one of the most interesting names that I saw well, there's there's two really interesting names, you know. There's some obvious ones: Carl Alsner, who barely played this year in Montreal, and has two years left on a deal that pays him four point six. There's Brent Seabrook, who's passed oh, yeah. his be- clearly passed his best performance. Oh, He's got four years left on a six point eight million dollar a year deal in Chicago. But then there's some some other names that were less obvious, and two of them really stuck out for me: Justin Falk in St. Louis who's mm-hmm. just entering into a seven-year deal that pays him $6.5 million. What That were they never thinking? made any sense to me. What were ever. they thinking? And P.K. Subban, who's got two years left on a deal that pays him $9 million per. Mm-hmm. So this year, out of 234 NHL D-men who played more than 20 games this year, um, 
so that's that takes you right down to your seventh defenseman on each team. Subban, in terms of even strength scoring, ranked 184th. So he's not even like he's just at the very oh. bottom of the top six. And Falk ranked 186th for even strength scoring out of 234 NHL D men. So. I mean, the Subban decisions probably might be fairly straightforward in terms of buying him out. Although, unless you think, well, he's just injured and he's going to come back. And that's a possibility. That's something that we don't know. That's something New Jersey would know better, that he's, he's just had a bad year because of injury and he's he's going to come charging back. But the Falk thing in St. Louis, Bruce. Oh, God. Thank God that's not in Edmonton. Thanks that the Oilers well, aren't facing that. They're in first place. So they must be doing something right. And he's obviously not torpedoing the team, but... Uh, uh, that that's a contract that doesn't even kick in until next year, as I recall. Correct. Yeah. He's so in- they they uh, they signed him right away as soon as they traded for him a year in advance, and that's already looking like a boat anchor. I mean, it did right from the moment they signed him. I couldn't believe it was that much. Brutal. So brutal contract. Uh, just, just to split hairs again briefly, Brent he- Brent Seabrook, it would be an obvious candidate for a buyout, except uh, he's already got some kind of long-term injury that they've slid him onto uh, long-term injured reserve. Oh. And the insurance company may well be on the hook for paying that salary. And the owner may be very reluctant to to buy him out when he can, hide, you know, basically hide the, I mean, it, it causes complications, but you can hide the contract on LTIR and let the insurance company look after it. And then it's no skin off your back, so it wouldn't be wouldn't surprise me that even though he seems an obvious candidate, that maybe they would just let it slide. Yeah, and I don't even like after all these years of having this CBA, Bruce, mm-hmm. the the LTIR and how it <laughs> interrelates with the cap and what it means for the uh-huh. Blackhawks. Count me count me in as someone who still hasn't figured that out. Do you I like, think they have they have two full time lawyers at the league office that decide on a case by case basis how it works. The other one, the more obvious one, Carl Alsner, he is the uh, Wade Redden of the uh, of uh, this this uh, times compliance buyouts, where Wade Redden was just a, such a slam dunk obvious candidate to be bought out last time, and Alsner not even in the league. With two years to run at 4.6 million dollars man yeah there's a shane uh gustus mm-hmm. i think that's how you say his name he he's been a terrible even strength score i think he was in the minors a little bit this year as well if i'm not mistaken three years left at 4.5 million um okay let's go to the goalies because there are some big names that i think might be under consideration um so uh Pekka Rene had a horrible year. He's got one year. He hit a 0.895 safe percentage. He's 37 years old. Man, mm-hmm. that, that would be tempting. Um, there's Jonathan Quick, three years left at 5.8 million. He's 34. He had a 904 safe percentage, which for goalies who played, I think I think my cutoff was 10 games there. Okay. Um, for, for the 66 goalies who played more than 10 games, Quick, Ranked 46 for save percentage. Rene was 58th. Yeah. And Corey Schneider, Bruce, two years left at $6 million, was had a 0.887 save percentage, 64th out of 66. Another injury situation that may well be. <clears throat> Who's that, Schneider? Schneider. He only, okay. he only played 13 games. Yeah. Okay. There's a couple really, th- th- those ones I think are 
I wouldn't be surprised if any of those players are bought out if they if you can. What about Henry? Uh, what about and, and did I did I mention Lindquist? Did I say him there? Uh, I think we talked about Rene Quick and Schneider. Okay, Henrik Lindquist has one year left mm-hmm. at eight point five million. They've got two good goalies, two young goalies who are really good in New York right now. Mm-hmm. Nine oh five save percentage. He's thirty eight, eight point five million. He's a legend though in New York. Yep. So that's one. There's Carey Price, who's got six years left at ten point five million. He had a nine oh nine save percentage, Bruce. That's thirty five out of sixty six goalies. Wow. There's Sergey Bobrovsky. paid goalie in the league, and uh, there's a lot yeah. of years to run. Thirty two. Price is thirty two. Bobrovsky has six years left at ten million. He was. He had a zero point nine zero. Save percentage fifty ranks fifty second out of sixty six. I, I don't see the Habs buying out Price, but uh-huh. Bobrovsky. Like maybe you just think, well, the goalies are up and down, and he's going to come back and be great. But if you have a chance to get up from under that, and if you have the financial resources to do yeah, so, that's the question. Forty so, million in real dollars is what it would cost to get out from those six years. Two thirds <clears> is what they have to pay a guy on them. Yeah, I mean, they pay it out. You know, over twelve years. They would pay him forty million over twelve years, so three point three a year. But wow. man, that's a long time to be paying a guy not to play for you, isn't it? I mean, shades of Alexi Yashin. It's also <laughs> a long time to have the worst starting goalie in the NHL. Wow! Uh, if he remains that, now you—that's the bet. Like, will Unreal will real how he collapses? I, I think that they they can't buy it. Like, it's just so much money, and he mm. has been a good goalie in the past. So you just got to think. Well, I don't know. It, it, it's these are these are all such difficult things to even talk about because we again we don't know the financial situation of the owners. We don't know, you know, what went on with the player this year. Maybe there's some extenuating circumstances in their play, some kind of personal problem or an injury problem or something like that that we don't know about, and they're they they're going to bounce back. But you know the. I don't know. Maybe maybe Habs fans would freak out if they heard us talking about Carey Price as a potential compliance buyout, and they think we're just insane. Maybe we are. I don't know. But it just when you look at his save percentage this year, his age, and his contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I seem to recall he was something like 0.859 against the Oilers over his entire career. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice reflection. I, ha- I was having a little bit of fun with that uh, earlier this season. And I, I admire and respect Carey Price, but uh, man, he struggled against the Oilers, which is fine by me. I mean, a 909 save percentage, that's about league average, is it? Mm-hmm. This 30, year, it's about 35th out of 66. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Played more than 10 that, games. Yeah. yeah that's, so maybe, the, you know, they're probably thinking, oh, he'll come back too and he'll be. He'll be like a Martin Brodier like levels and Martin Brodier like longevity in his career and he will be a good player for a long time and we're gonna stick with him. Plus he's our biggest name player and we need to sell tickets. And I don't you think know. Montreal the team in front of him has been very good. So that there's that as well, right? So um I, I doubt that that uh that he would be bought is out. Car- is Carl Osner their highest paid defenseman? <laughs> <laughs> well, Shea no, Weber. I guess Shea Weber is, but well, still, that's the other one. You know tough I mean? one for them. Like he's he was a really good player, though. I think Shea Weber this year. Like he, I know he had some good spells at least, but again, he's got a long term deal. But I don't think he'll be they bought got, up. They got a lot of third pairing guys that are dressed up as top fours. Is my experience watching Montreal this year. 
I guess my bottom line here from talking about all this, Bruce, is the Oilers are one of the teams that have, I think, a really obvious compliance buyout to make. Right. Yeah. So that, so if Kate's can afford it, um, this is this is one time where uh, if this were to happen in Edmonton, other teams might benefit it from a bit. But between if if the Lucic contract, if the Lucic cap hit goes away, and they're able to get out from under Neil's contract, and maybe in, in theory buy out Chris Russell, um, you know, I could see that making sense too if they can afford it. This could really work for the Oilers next year. This could be a a really good Edmonton. Could, what I'm trying to say is, in short, Edmonton will, could well benefit from this more than other teams. Right. Well, it's instructive to look back at what happened in 2013-14 when they had the first compliance by Windows to after the after the hard-fought uh, CBA negotiation that time. There was 30 teams in the league then, of course, no Vegas, and they could buy out up to two players, and it was almost an equal split. There was 10 teams that bought out two players, eight teams that bought out one, 12 teams that bought out none. So it really wasn't like everybody got rid of two contracts. And I'm sure there was budgetary constraints uh, and there was, um, uh, there was um, uh, you know, people didn't want to spend money on a player and then have to pay for his replacement. But on the other hand, I mean, you see some real poison pill contracts gotten rid of Rick, Rick DiPietro, uh, Wade Redden. Uh, just to name a couple that jump off. Brad the page. Richards. Uh, Brad Richards was another. Um, and looking at the list here, I can't see too many guys that bounced back and later went on to become, you know, returned to be significant NHL players after they were bought out and came back in the league and maybe with a different team and a in a different role. But there, there wasn't exactly. I mean, Mikhail Grabowski. Uh, I guess, you know, he had a few decent years after that, but uh, there was nobody that sort of obviously you're going, boy, well, that was a mistake or uh, he wasn't quite oh. worth what they were paying him, but he was still a pretty valuable <clears throat> player who had a few years left. And most of these guys are ancient history. And I mean, 2013 isn't that long ago that, uh, uh, you know, most of these guys have been out of the league for five or more years. So it's... Uh, uh, there's certainly no shortage of candidates. There's one thing that the NHL is always good for, and that's bad contracts. <laughs> Usually, every team's got at least one, and uh, and more than one. And as you say, that you know, it's other considerations. Can the owner afford to pay the outgoing guy and the guy coming in to take his place? Because even at two thirds, you know, I mean, you're the the cap space you're opening up. You're probably going to use it to pay other players. So. It's just a matter of uh, you know how 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 high is your stash, you know, when you go all in on some of these uh, on some of these moves. Alrighty, well, uh, you did a post. I'm working on a post, so um, huh? uh, we're we're getting the most out of this little bit of uh, kernel of news that's come out of the NHL, Bruce. Mm-hmm. So, uh, any other thoughts? I think that um, I summed up my thoughts on the matter. Yeah, well, the only other two Oilers that I named besides Neil and Chris Russell were uh, uh, possibly Mikko Koskinen with two years left. I don't think they would. Uh, I think, you know, I mean, you maybe don't like his cap hit, but I think he's proven that he's a solid NHL caliber goaltender. And, you you know, and the other one, Alex Chason. Well, I think if James Neal, the obvious choice is gone, that just increases Alex Chason's value. 
as being then the primary nut front guy on the power play, which is frankly where he's delivered most of his value this year. And his contract's an overpay, but it's not a gross. When you consider his power play contributions, I don't think it's a gross overpay. He's only got one more year to run, and and you know he brings uh, uh, he brings some interesting elements to the table. So I don't don't see why they would do that. They have better candidates to uh, to use that option on should it become available. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this works. Like so with escrow, everybody's. So the cap goes down. Let's say let's say they have this tremendous thirty percent drop in revenues, and the cap goes down by that amount. So then the new contracts are going to be a lot less, but then the old contracts are clawed back on escrow. But how does all that work? Yeah, the cap. We'll leave that for another day. We'll leave Bruce, that to the lawyers and the accountants. Yeah, we haven't even thought about count, it. And the bean counters. That's, Starting I mean, to that's, it's a very complicated scenario and i mean every scenario that we're talking about here is a what if uh case and really nobody knows how this movie not not just ends but we don't know the midpoint we don't know where the where the restart where is you know where is society at the moment of the restart where is the overarching economy yeah Uh, and you know issues like um uh you know how under control is that virus that you it's safe to allow groups of uh, hockey players and entertainers to go here there and everywhere and how is you know the travel industry and on and on like there's just so many uh things to consider here we're talking about the possible hockey related ones and it's we're kind of doing it in a vacuum but i guess it's all we can really do yeah we just don't know do we yeah you, you called it the virus. There's a big, of course, it's highly charged political debate over what to call it. Uh, although most people just call it, you know, COVID-19, which is fine. But I like calling it the virus. I just uh, <laughs> keep it simple. It's the virus. We know which virus you're talking about, David. We sure do. We sure do. We don't need to point fingers at it. Yeah, it's just like the mall. We all know what the mall <laughs> is. All right. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks for talking today. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.